Your baby is crying and you can't work out what's wrong. There's a time when you just want them to tell you, right? Wouldn't it be great to know what your baby is trying to tell you? If you're looking for the code to the secret language, then you're going to learn lots in today's episode. I'm talking with Sonia Preston, who is a Dunstan baby language, also known as DBL trainer. Sonia demystifies some of the signs for you and tells you all about this fascinating language. I'm infant massage instructor Helen Thompson. Hello and welcome to First Time Mums Chat. Being a parent for the first time is challenging and changes your life in every way imaginable. To help ease your transition into parenthood, I aim to offer supportive, holistic approaches and insights for mums of babies aged four weeks to 10 months old. My goal is to assist you to become the most confident parent you can and smooth out the bumps along the way. This podcast is brought to you by My Baby Massage. So let's do this together. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please contact a medical practitioner if you are concerned or have any medical issues. Hi Sonia and welcome to First Time Mums Chat. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here because I've, I've heard all about Dunstan Baby Language before and I, and I know how valuable it is and I thought it would be a great opportunity for my first time mums, especially when the babies come home from hospital and mums are thinking help what does that what does that sound mean so can you start by just telling us a little bit about Dunstan baby language and where it comes from and etc sure thanks Helen yes so I I first heard about it I I had been working for the Department of Education in New South Wales as a parenting consultant visiting parents in their homes from pregnancy through till the child child turned three and it was actually one of my parents who told me about it do you know about Dunstan I was like no what is it and she lent me at that time it was a DVD um, so she lent that to me and it was like oh my goodness this is amazing you know that's the general response people have because when I played it and I'll explain what it means in a minute but when I played it my ears already knew those sounds because I've been working mums and babies at that stage for towards 20 years and even though I couldn't have told you what the words were I recognize the sound of them and that's actually exactly how Priscilla Dunstan, who the, was the original founder of it, how she um, started this because she has auditory memory. And when her first child was born, Tom, she thought she could hear different sounds, different quality of sounds, different tonality. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but she recognised there was a difference in his different cries from when he was hungry to tired to had mm-hmm. wind and so forth. So she originally thought, well, I'm, I'm just good with my ears. But then if she knew you and she heard your baby, she'd cry. She'd go, Helen, is your baby hungry? And you know, <laughs> many of us in those gaga early days, we look at our phone or our watch to go, oh, yes, I didn't realise he hasn't had a feed for a while. And so she thought, well, okay, it must be maybe it's Anglo, maybe it's, you know, white people sort of thing. We Our babies make these sounds. But then she'd hear 
just in her community, you know, maybe Chinese babies or German babies, and they all did these same sounds that she knew were hunger or tired. And so that led to, oh, it was about 10 years of studies and research, and the, the and this was globally. Then it led to what became known as Dunstan baby language because what she'd identified through these studies was that these sounds are nothing to do with language and cultural group or socioeconomic yeah. group, but they're to do with reflexes. So, for example, mm-hmm. when the baby's hungry, it automatically starts, it triggers, the hunger triggers the sucking reflex. So when infants, and we're talking newborns from birth through till about four-ish months old in particular, when they're hungry, the sucking reflex starts, and in that, when that happens, their tongue goes to the top of the roof of their mouth and down in, in a movement to then compress the nipple or the teeth to get the milk. And when we replicate that, when babies, sorry, when babies um, put sound to it, as, as happens with infants, the only sound you can make, and this is my version of it, is ne, ne, because then the tongue's up and then down. And it's an N sound you're listening for that tells you the baby is hungry. Now, if at that point you as a parent recognise it and feed them, they will latch on well, they will suck well and, you know, clearly satisfy their need to be fed. So I've actually got a recording here with the sounds on if you'd like to listen. There's about six babies, different babies, because just like you and I are speaking slightly different versions of the same words, babies are the same. And it also depends where the baby's just starting off to say, mum, I'm hungry, mum, I'm hungry, or they're actually screaming, for goodness sake, mum, I'm starving here, you know, that their volume increases. Mm-hmm. So in these sounds, you're listening for an N sound at the beginning. And sometimes it can be a little bit like nasally, like if I pinch my nose and say it, it's net, net. So it's slightly nasally twang to me. So I'll play these, but listen for the N sound. Okay, I'm curious to hear the sound. So. <laughs> You can, you can definitely hear that nah, nah, nah. Yeah. Yeah, I can you can definitely hear that nah, nah. Yeah, and in that last one the baby's reaching that crying sound where they're saying, I'm really hungry. Mm. And so when we look at these reflex based sounds in infants, we're trying to get in when we first hear the baby articulate a sound because, as we could hear in that one, the babies increase in volume. And when they are really hungry or really tired and they've been telling you that and for whatever reason you haven't, you haven't been listening, that, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but you might have been busy hanging out the nappies or, or putting the nappy in the yeah, bin or yeah. whatever. The intensity increases and then when they're full-on screaming, you can't actually hear the sound at all. It's lost in at that time, distress cry, you know, I'm really upset that you haven't met my need. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about, I, I come from a childcare background and I also do baby massage and it's just interesting you mentioned reflexes because am I right in saying that when they latch onto the breast, that's called the rooting, is that the rooting reflex, you know, when they're latching onto the, the breast and they, am I right or is that not 
The, the rooting is when they, um, are, they're hungry and they, they've probably made this sound already because the sound comes before the visual clues. But the visual clues what, for what we call rooting is when they're turning the head, looking in the direction or seeking ah. the breath of the bottle and, you know, they might be sort of nuzzling down onto whatever's close by. So it could be your shoulder that they then try and suck that because they know it's here somewhere. So that's that's what we call rooting in, in the feeding context yeah and I know you I know you can also tell with when when you're doing the language you can always tell if it's if they've got wind or colic or not not so much a colic but more of the wind you know if they've got stuck wind there's a particular sound for that isn't there yeah so we look at the five sounds that we see are, are most critical when you've got a newborn and you're going through that period of you know what often what happens when you have an, a newborn if, whether it's your second or third child or your first one is you've got to connect with this child to be able to understand course, each other yeah. and the baby cries and our immediate response as human beings is oh they must be hungry so you try and feed them breast or bottle and, you know, they might suck a little bit. But if, if that's not what they really wanted, then we might think, oh, he or she's got wind and we try to burp them. But then that might not be what they want. Ah, they must have a wet nappy. So we then move on to that. But what if at, right at the beginning they're actually saying, I'm really tired, I want to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And we've now stimulated them with all these other things and quite possibly irritated them because I'm really tired and you're feeding me and burping me and changing me. So the five sounds we focus on are hunger, tired, wind in the upper chest, wind in the lower part of their body, and when the skin is irritated. So if I just go through those quickly, so the tired sound is actually just like a yawn. So it's, oh, so when we write it, we write O-W-H. So it's, you know, an O or an ow sound. And when we've got wind in the upper chest, the muscles in the upper portion of our chest are contracting, squeezing, whatever word you want to call it, to try and bring that burp up. But when an infant is newborn, all their muscles are weak because they haven't had much chance outside to practice it. Mm-hmm, course, so, I mean, yeah. by the time you have a three-, four-month-old, they know how to burp and they often belch quite loud. So what happens with, with the, the burping is their muscles are contracting to try and bring it up, but they can't quite do it themselves. Mm-hmm, of course, and you'll yeah, often yeah. notice they're making that sound are actually squirming around a little bit, like they're trying to shake it up or wriggle it up. So the, the burp sound is an E-H sound, so it's repeated, so it's eh, 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 eh. And then they're not really distressed, they're just uncomfortable. So if you can hear that and you burp them, you've relieved that need to burp, and then they may actually then start making the net sound saying, I'm hungry, I'm ready now to go back on the breast. So if you are breastfeeding a baby and they pull off or come off a little bit, they're either had their full complement of what they need of food at that time or they're pulling off because they've got wind. And quite possibly, if you listen well then, you'll hear the ek sound, which tells you they've pulled off because they've got a burp to come up, they've got wind. When you bring that up, they'll often start the next sound again, put back on the breast or the bottle. 
That's so actually it sounds very interesting because it sounds, you know, when you say the air, it sounds, it, it sounds as if they're sort of stuck, something stuck in their chest. So it's obviously, it's an interesting concept to think that that's what it actually means. Yes, and, and the S sound in terms of our five sounds is important. I mean, they, they all are in different ways, but it's important because what happens is if the baby has wind in the upper portion of the chest, we really want it to, be, to come up as a birth, right? You imagine if you, as a parent, you don't know this or you miss the clues or they just do it very softly. So you might not hear it that well. When you move on, you may think, oh, they're still hungry, so I'll give them more of the bottle of the breast. You put milk in on top of a bubble. So there's a couple of things that can happen. The bubble might be stronger and come up, and they might do what we call positing when they just sort of spit out a bit of milk with the burp. If there's a lot of milk gone in on top of the bubble and the bubble is big enough or strong enough, it will come up and they'll do what you what people call rectal vomiting where the mum or the dad and half the lounge room gets covered in milky vomit. Yeah, I've um, seen that before. <laughs> yes, but the, the other, the bigger problem is, I mean, you know, none of us want to deal with a messy floor or table or clothing ourselves, but the bigger problem is, if that wind doesn't come up and we put more milk on that pushes the air down, that then has a long way through to get up through our bodies before it comes out of, at the other end as wind or a fart. And that is what is often known as colic because it's quite painful to go through all that body in terms of, you know, you've all seen pictures of your, your guts and your bowel and so forth, but it's, there's a lot of meters to go through before it actually comes out the other end. Cool. And yeah. that's what you see. Um, it, that's what we, we call colic, but that's one of our sounds is this sound, which I should play for you in a moment. But it, at that point in time, the babies are pulling their knees up to their chest. And screaming, um, and yeah. Yeah, and the scream is intense and urgent mm. and goes on and on and on, and they're very red in the face, yeah, you yeah. know, angry looking. And so this is why the X sound, the wind in the upper chest, is so important for parents to be able to hear because you actually want to avoid hearing the air where they're in quite a lot of pain. So I'm going to play this for you now. Okay, and you will, it's quite intense and you know the babies are definitely not happy okay <laughs> sounds as though the baby's a bit constipated and stuck it sounds and yeah yeah Now it's getting really intense as if to say, help me. Yeah. Yes. So that's the the one we want to avoid because you could hear and they're quite upset at that point in time. And there's, you know, I, I recognise now that my first daughter had that. She screamed for what seemed like hours and she was my first child. So what happens then is when the baby's crying and crying and crying, and I as a mum, I go, I've tried to feed them, I've tried yeah. to birth them, I've changed their nappy, nothing's working. And the frustration in you as a parent that you can't help your baby because you don't know what's wrong, it's quite intense. And 
postnatal depression is a variety of things, but one of the components I feel is, you know, that feeling like I'm not coping, I'm not good at this parenting thing, I'm inadequate. And yes. we don't want to feel that because it's no, all Of course not. Because yeah. that's what the baby massage sort of comes in from my point of view is the massage with, with colic because if the mums are so distressed, they're thinking, help, what can I do? And if they've missed that uh, uh, sound, well, then, you know, I guess the next stage is to sort of keep, you know, help them with trying to say get the baby to help get all the um, colic and the bubbles out of the tummy. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm a big fan of baby massage for it's relaxing for both mum and baby or dad and baby and a good way of connecting and so forth. Um, But yes, it can be um, very useful to help push out wind um, when the baby's making that sound. But then, then I know for myself, if I had a really pain in my belly, which was wind, for me personally, I wouldn't want anybody touching my tummy because it's too sensitive. So yes, true, but it's how you do it. Yeah, that's true. But absolutely. if you can hear the sound first, well, then yes. it it would relieve that. So I think that's the advantage of the of the um, baby language because you can actually yes. hear the sound and you can say, oh. Right, my baby needs to be burped, or my baby's got a bit of wind. I'll, I'll burp him, and if it's still going, I can give him a little massage or, or totally. do whatever. And it, it, at least it's the baby's feeling relieved, and you are because you've been able to help the baby. Yes, absolutely. So, so the, the fifth sound that we've got. So we've had hungry, tired, wind in the upper, wind in the lower body. And then the, the fifth sound focus on focus on is when the skin is irritated. So that could be when the um, nappy needs changing because it's wet or pooey or the um, baby's too hot or too cold. Mm-hmm. They might be just uncomfortable where they're lying. So the skin is irritated. And this sound is like... It's similar to when a dog is panting. So it's H-E-H. So it's and it can be slow, it can be quieter or louder sort of thing. But they're just unhappy in some way with temperature Mm -hmm. or um, something on their skin. I sort of wonder too whether, you know, you hear of people who um, have allergies or um, they don't like wool on their skin, which so beautiful but other people find other it people, yeah yeah exactly yeah. so whether or not they might also have that h-e-h response so yeah and at that stage obviously you check whether their nappy was okay or whether they need more or less clothing etc so by learning these sounds for the for the parent to learn these five sounds it just gives them the tool and need to start their baby in a good way and their relationship with the child in terms of parenting in a good way because they're more easily able to identify what this baby actually wants and provide it for them. The baby's content, which is always nice. The parent, whether it's mum, dad or grandma or caregiver, whoever, is feeling I can do this parenting thing mm-hmm. so I feel yes. confident. And, and when we have a, a content child and a confident parent, it has a ripple effect because I, as the mum or the dad, I go out in the community feeling better about me and my child and our relationship. And that ripple effect, you know what it's like when you meet happy, positive people? It has to be around, you know? Yes, and I'm not exactly. saying it's not a motivation, but it's got positive mental health spin offs for both baby and parent in the community. Mm. 
No, that's it. Sounds. I think that's amazing because, it, as you say, it's it helps parents to be more confident, and that's at the end of the day what you want first-time mums or any mum really to be, whether they're first-time mums or second-time mums. At least if they can know what the baby's trying to tell them, because you know, and, and most parents know that community babies cry for a reason. They're not just crying for the sake of it; they are actually crying for a reason because they're trying to communicate with us. Totally. And knowing, and, and knowing those sounds is good. Absolutely. And I actually, I used to be a classroom teacher. And when we look at literacy in children or in adults, there's the four components that is speaking, listening, yes. reading yeah. and writing. And all of them also have a component of com- um, comprehension attached to it. So if you look at babies and these beginning sounds, it's the first level of communication and so really by us learning their language in terms of these sound productions we're actually helping the baby to learn early communication because Mm -hmm. I as an infant cry to say I've got a wet nappy you as a parent understand my language and respond so what happens then is a contentment in the baby but there's also a a really interesting um, component to this too which Dunstan fits into what's called attachment theory so attachment theory I'll I'll just step back if you go back 20 30 years ago we used to talk about um, mothers bonding with their babies meaning you know I'm listening to my baby and I'm looking for clues and I fall in love with my baby very important Absolutely. What they've realised is there's more to it than that. So when an infant learns to trust its caregiver or caregivers in that I cry to say I'm hungry and the parent feeds me, I learn to trust that person to look after me. And when babies have, you know, none of us are 100% in that. Sometimes we can't tend to the baby right now. But in a general sense, if we predominantly are responding, then the baby has this sense of trust. And that's what we call secure trustment, secure attachment. I trust this parent will look after me. If you have parents for a whole host of reasons, they may have mental health issues, drugs and alcohol, postnatal depression, a whole lot of reasons that they can't be as attentive, the baby doesn't get that attachment. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and, you know, as long as the parents are getting some help for those things, we, you know, it can be turned around. What happens when you get secure attachment is it actually leads to brain development, new neural pathways forming in the brain. So when a baby has trust with the parent caregiver, when they become older and they start crawling, for example, they can crawl over to another part of the room knowing that if they get lost or bump their head or can't get out of the corner or something like that, they know I can trust my parent caregiver to come and help me. So by exploring that part of the world, they've actually stimulated new brain development because I now know what's in this portion of the world and I've had new vision, new sound smells, whatever it might be. So, you know, it is really instrumental in setting up that secure attachment in terms of mental health well-being. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, well, I, I sort of, I, I can understand that from my background, but for, you know, parents who didn't know that, I think that's, that's very valuable to, for them to know that. So, you know, yeah, it's good. Yes. So if parents want to find out more about you, how can they do that? Probably the easiest way is to go to my website. So my business is called the, the Parenting Cafe. 
Yes. Yeah, so I, um, how I teach the parents is they book in for a, a class and it's all online at the moment. It's just easier with variations and travel and stuff, but they can book on online and in each month there's two or three classes on. Each class is two separate sessions a week apart and I run some in the day, some in the evening, some on weekends just to have capture different parents. It's best done when the parent is in the third trimester of pregnancy or as early as possible after birth, but in that first four months. And the reason starting in pregnancy is if you learnt this in your second, third month of pregnancy, by the time baby arrives five, six months later, you've probably forgotten it. So by doing it as close to delivery as possible, those sounds become embedded. And so in the, the course, we go through obviously more detail about what the sounds are, how they're produced. We practice making the sounds so the parents physically can understand how they're replicated. And um, we look at solutions. So when the baby's hungry, obviously we know to feed it, but how do we feed the baby? So we look at different possessions for breast or bottle feeding and the same with burping and the lower wind pain and so forth. Yeah, and there's usually maybe six eight parents max in a group but I will run it with just one or two it's it's important to get this out no thank you Sonia that's that's really good to that's really good because it's it's always good for parents to know where to get this uh, information from I've actually learned a lot more about it than I than I thought a lot more and I'm intrigued thank you so much for coming on this podcast Sonia it's been very very informative and I've really enjoyed it thanks Helen for the opportunity I appreciate it I hope you find this fascinating peek into DBL as interesting as I did. You can find all about DBL from Sonia's website, theparentingcafe.com.au forward slash DBL. You can also contact Sonia or book a workshop via her website. I've included some further information on DBL in the show notes, which can be accessed at mybabymassage.net forward slash podcast forward slash zero two one. I've also started a new Facebook group called First Time Mums Lounge. So please join us and you'll gain access to tips to help you and your baby through the beginning stages of your journey. You can access this group by going to mybabymassage.net forward slash Facebook. And once again, thank you so much for listening.